0: Bibles in turn to Job 1, and we're going to talk about something today that I'm sure if it hadn't already affected you, it's going to, and that is the mystery of misery. There are some subjects in the Bible that you don't like to hear about. One is death. Two, you, I can see your faces when I go talking about money. Uh, you don't like that. Three is hell. Nobody likes to hear you preach on hell except a good old uh, fire, and brimstone preacher. Well, I'm going to tell you something else. I'm going to add to this list, and it's called misery. Everybody wants to hear that when you're saved, you don't suffer. I can't tell you that because I happen to know that you can suffer And you can suffer for not doing anything wrong, period. And we've got an example of that today. You can't take the book of Job and say this is of the law. This this is a life experience. This is something that Job went through as one who loved God with all his heart. But yet he faced this, this time. Well, you know, when it comes to death, last week, Sandra uh, Harper called my office and said Otis wanted to talk to me, and I'd already been faced with the decision having to go to Alabama to, and I did, go to the funeral of Fred Bacher's daughter, 46 years old, who found dead in a bed, had three kids, and both Fred's wife and Otis and Tammy has suffered a lot in this life. We have struggles sometimes, I think, when it comes to suffering. We, we don't mind sitting talking about all the blessings, but when it gets down to the suffering, we have difficulties with that one. And so I think it's important that we, we listen to that. But, you know, when it comes to death, there's two important dates that I think are important. One is my birthday, <laughs> April the 9th, 1955. Write that down if you don't get me a birthday present next year. April the 9th, 1955. The second is the, the date that I'll die. According to the Internet boy, the Internet's got a bunch of junk, do not it? It's got a ww. let me find it here, got it com, and you click on the death clock, and you type in all this information. How many of you have ever done that? Some of you have already found it. Okay. Well. I typed in my age and typed in all my health issues and, and, uh, and it told me that February 2036, I'll be 81, I'm supposed to die that month. Well, do I believe that? No. Do I believe there's any validity or accuracy in that? No. No. But the one thing I do believe is that God has a death clock. He does. And that he has one for you and he has one for me. And the clock is ticking for everybody. So understand that even though we don't want to hear about death, it's one of those things that I think we need to understand is going to take place. But there's another mystery. And that's the mystery of misery. Man, when I took the, the, the opportunity to read Job through the years over and over and over and over, I began to learn something every time I read it. When we come to Job chapter 1, I want us to understand we're in heaven when we start, and we're in a business meeting. And here's how it starts, Job 1 verse 6. One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan, the accuser, came with them. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. Satan said, I've been going back and forth across the earth watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord said, asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth, a man of complete integrity, He fears God and will have nothing to do with evil. He shuns it. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, Job. He fears God, but not for without a good reason. You have always protected him and his home and his property from harm. And you've made him prosperous in everything that he does. Look how rich he is. But take away everything he has, and he will curse you. He will spit in your face. Hmm. Think about that a moment. The mystery of misery. Why do we have to go through that? Now, some of you say, well, I know right now that I go through my misery because I sin and there's consequences to sin. I'll agree with that. Only problem is when you study the book of Job, all 42 chapters, you'll find out that Job didn't suffer because he did anything wrong. He suffered because of what he did right. Kind of opposite the way we think, right? Job was the Ben Cartwright of the Old Testament. He was a great, gracious, godly man who universally was loved, respected, and both on earth and in heaven. God went as as far as to give a eulogy of Job. He gave us a list of things that that he said about him. And look at verse 1. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. The man, was, the man in the King James version says was blameless, um, wrong, um, upright. He feared God. He shunned evil. That means he turned it off. Sin was a complete turn off to him. <laughs> you know, I believe that we would do less sinning if sin was a turn off. The problem is we let it turn us on. And so we participate. He had a large family. He had a godly family. And at the end of every day, he would gather together every morning and and offer burnt offerings so that in case his sons had sinned or cursed God in any way, that there would be restitution. He cared about his family. He he had a great faithfulness. He, 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 He was a man who... The IRS could not find one thing wrong with him. He had no skeletons in his closet. The FBI could find no blemish in his character. Is that true with you? Is that true with me? He was the man, the Bible says, who had great fortune. He, all of his, in verse 3, it says, Job's possessions were 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest man in the Middle East. I hear some people say, you know what? I don't believe God wants us to be rich. Well, I don't know that he wants you to be poor. I believe he wants you to be rich in faith, poor in spirit. Be humble, not think you got it all figured out and worked out. I think he wants that. Now, if you have all those riches, nothing wrong with it. It's just your love for it that the Bible says is evil. Remember, while money was no problem to Job, and he lived on a ranch that the Ponderosa probably looked like a dump compared to it. Remember verse 21, the Lord gave and the Lord had taken away. Understand that it's God who gives us the ability to have wealth. And if God decides that we don't need it anymore, he takes it away. You don't like that takeaway stuff, do you? Job was noted for great fame. E.F. Hutton was his name in the Middle East. When Job spoke, people listened. <laughs> Today you speak, do you wonder if anybody listens? <laughs> you ever been around your grandkids and, and, and it just seemed like the louder you talk, the louder they talk, and they was not paying a bit of attention to you. That seems to be the way the world's getting. A lot of people talking, but name nobody listening. One day the... Job went to be from a prince. He went to be from a rich man to a poor man. He went from a billionaire to a bum. He went from a hero to a zero. He lost everything for doing right. Let me ask you something. Why do you serve God? Have you ever thought about this? How did Satan know that the father had a wall of protection and he had a hedge around Job. How did he know that? He'd done been after him. He'd been trying to mess with him. He found out. Whoa! whoa. Now listen, I think it's interesting that you and I know that next next week you might get a pink slip. You might get a bad doctor's report. You might get a tragic call on the phone. You might realize, you know what? Life just isn't fair. Is that why you serve God? So life will be fair? Is that the only reason? I I personally believe that if your heart's right, you'll serve him even if Nothing goes your way. Even if your health deteriorates to a point that you don't understand. And like Job, he lost all of his family and and, and the only thing he didn't lose was his wife. I ain't touching that one because I got in enough trouble preaching last Sunday. But she did look at Job and say, why don't you just cuss God and die? I mean, Job was in a serious situation. I'm going to tell you something, including me. I don't know if any one of us in here could go through what Job did, the way he did it, and do any better. Matter of fact, I'm not so sure we'd even show up in anything. Because what what he went through was tough. It's tough you see during the great depression they called the day the stock market crash black monday well joe had the blackest of all mondays he started having not only the list of what god said the good but he started having all kinds of losses i mean he lost all of his fortune he lost his family everybody got killed but his wife he lost his fitness the bible says in chapter 2 verse 7 and 8 Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and was struck with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took pottery and scraped himself just to get pleasure as he sat in ashes. Does that sound like something you want to pray for to happen to you today? Not me. Add insult to injury, the Bible says he lost his friend. Did he really have anyone out of Zophar, Bildad, and Eliphaz? I mean, the coolest thing you'll find out about those three is when you start reading chapter 38 to the end of the chapter. God is silence in all of that suffering until chapter 38. God begins to speak. Job finally shuts up, sits down in ashes, and begins to repent. And those three friends were, whew, they were tongue lashed by the Father. They were straightened out for all of their sorry counsel. <laughs> you ever had somebody come to you when you're at your lowest and rake you over your coals? It's kind of like in your mind, won't you get lost? I don't want to hear that. I want to hear some comforting. I want to hear something soothing. (laughs) And one day, his sunshine went to rain. His joy went to pain. His blessedness went to brokenness. His insulation went to isolation. And his happiness went to heartache. How many of you in one day have had your world crushed? See, some of you in here have. And it could be that that world is not getting any better. Some of you will make some dumb decisions. Because you're at a place that don't make sense. And may I remind you. That God doesn't let suffering or or allow suffering to take place in your life and mine because he don't love us. He's got the answers. But you can't go around him. You got to go through him. In verses 6 and 7, the Bible was reminding us why... Where was Satan? Satan, what were you doing on the earth? And 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, who he may gulp down. You know what Satan wants to do with you? He wants to destroy you. He don't care anything about you. I hear people say this all the time. I get almost sick and tired of hearing it. I just feel like quitting because the Christian life is just so hard to live. Well, I heard testimonies last night that when they were living and I was living for the devil, that wasn't easy. So why are we whining because the Christian life is so tough? It ain't easy to live for the devil. Man, it... I heard some wonderful, butch, I have some wonderful testimonies last night, but I call those miracles that some of these guys aren't dead. There's miracles that some of you ain't dead. So it ain't easy on either side, except on the side of God, on the side of the Lord, you've got strength, you've got power, you got somebody on your side, you got somebody in your corner. You turn to him. <clears throat> I realized in reading this passage that there's some things that I wished you were like, like the devil is. Oh preacher, I cannot believe that you won't. There's attributes that you would like for me to be like the devil. Well, some of you act like the devil. But possibly you don't act like the devil in this area. One is, we see that in this 42 chapters, Satan always shows up. You know what I realized about the people at saw the rock? They don't always show up. One good pastor said, I wish that at least half of our church was as faithful as the devil by just showing up. <laughs> You'll have to admit that in the last 26, or I will, the last 26 years, for the people that just shot through this church and went on, if they'd have stayed, we'd be in three services. We would need... To have it because of the attendance. But folks, don't think it's important. Show up. Satan does. I don't know of a certain or a worship service. I don't know of a prayer meeting. I don't know of a time with the youth or our children or our leaders or whatever it might be that he, through his demons, don't show up. I'm not sure we rank high enough yet. Have him show up. Sins is hired guns. You know, it's interesting. But one pastor said, I was 28 years old when I got saved. I didn't know one church from another. Never read a Bible. Never prayed. Never been to church. But the minute I got saved, God put a love. Inside of me for his church. The first Sunday I went to church, I showed up at 8 30 in the morning with my wife and family. I was so excited just to be there with my wife and, and to be where I accepted change for the first time. My pastor never had to call me or look for me or worry whether I'd show up or not. And I'd just sometimes come and sit in the churchyard because I really believed it was Holy Grail. 30 years later, he says, I still love it. You know what? I think the real problem today with most of the folks in the kingdom is that their love is suffering for Jesus. You've dwindled away. You've departed away from the love of Jesus. Well, see, Satan always shows up, but the devil never gives up. Some of you, I know that when you first got saved, you thought you could attack hell with a water pistol and win. And then you realized you'd already won. (laughs) You used to tell people about Jesus. You used to be excited about wanting others to get saved, and and you you were just... But now you shut up. What happened? Why are you not excited I mean, a a bunion can knock you out of a Sunday service. A corn on your toe will have the prayer meeting buzzing. (laughs) Your headache will drive you away for a month. Why? Why? Are we that weak in our faith that we can't stand and fight? I hear preachers all the time and teachers and leaders say, you know what? I want to quit. I, I, just, I just don't understand it. And, and, and I don't, I, they're whining. They say, people just don't appreciate me. They don't appreciate my wife. They don't shake my hands. They don't give me a birthday card. Bless your heart. Is that why you serve God? So you get a birthday card? Job didn't worry about The third thing, the devil, he won't shut up. Now, he's constantly going before the throne and reminding God, God, you sent Jesus to die for that person. Look what they're doing. Look how they're living. You say, Mike, that's not... Well, just look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. He's always accusing the brethren telling him how sorry we are. Jesus said, or or the father said, hey, you, you notice my servant, Job? And then the reply was this. Yep, but Job doesn't fear you, nor does he serve you for nothing. Have you not made a hedge around him, his household? All around every side you blessed is with the work of his hands. The possessions have increased in his land. You are, you've got a circle around him. Why wouldn't he serve you? What happens if God pulled the circle of protection and allowed it to happen? In our lives, like Job, would you quit? Would you give up? In verse 9, but in the midst of all of this, the devil asked a very good question. Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? You see, the devil thinks that it's foolish for you and I to worship the Lord. It's foolish. It's foolish to live righteous. It's foolish to do all those things that he wants us to do. Well, there was a mother who was so at wit's end after keeping a five-year-old little boy who'd been giving her trouble all afternoon, and she said, Would you please straighten up and just be good? He said, I'll do anything for $5. She looked at him and said, why can't you just be good for nothing like your daddy? The reason why Satan attacked Job was to prove that he wasn't good for nothing. That he was actually being good because he was getting paid off. Because he was receiving and he was getting Job had been bought off as far as what Satan was trying to prove. Isn't it amazing how Satan just don't shut up? He just keeps on and on and on and on. I think that's why Paul says, whatever you do in Ephesians 4, 27, do not give place in any area to the enemy. Because if you give him a crack before long, he'll be in there full-blown. You see, some of you have given some cracks over in your armor, and Satan's working. Oh, yeah, he's working in your attitude, working in your tongue, works with your mind, and can corrupt your heart. Through the flesh. Keep in mind... That Job didn't know anything about what was happening to him. He didn't have either any hindsight. He had no foresight. He didn't know that God had allowed the enemy, that he'd allow Satan to do all that what he did. He didn't know that. And so often we wrestle with the situation about innocent people getting killed and good people going through all kinds of bad stuff and godly people getting sick and little children being murdered. And, and oftentimes we conclude that if there is a God, there ain't much of one. You hear some of that sometimes from the people that are around you. But I beg to differ. In my mind, evil does not prove that there's no God. Or that if there is, he's a weak God. Evil tells me that there is a God and he's so great that he can even allow evil to exist in a world and still use it for our good and his glory. You see, God not only comforts the afflicted, he allows sometimes the affliction to come upon the comfortable. And it wasn't until I read this book, the book of Job. And you catch it, it'll jump out at you where Job did not have the insight of the Father like he needed until chapters 38 to 42. And it all come home. He realized that even he was shallow in his belief. Of God, and that it took this suffering, it took this turmoil and trouble, it took this trial to bring him closer to the father. I, I like how it's written in First Peter one. in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if you need be, you have been grieved. Listen to this. You've been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, while nobody's coming to this altar today, I can promise you and ask God to send and rain down turmoil, trouble, and trial, and tragedy to begin today. I don't think there's going to be anybody praying anything like that down here. I don't either. It just comes. But I had one paragraph. that th- It spoke to me, and I've got to share it with you, and then I'll hush. There are times when we just have to rest in the faithfulness of God. Knowing that God is too wise to make mistakes, too loving to be unkind, too powerful to be denied in his purpose. You need to remember that behind all suffering is the purpose of God. And beyond all suffering, and you see that at the end of the book of Job, Job came back when he began to pray for those who despitefully used him, and he began to praise God again. I want to tell you something. It's not easy to praise God when you're sitting in ashes and sackcloth with boils to the head, to the bottom of your feet. It's not easy when you're eat up with cancer or you're dying of some disease And at that last moment, you just begin to praise God. It's not easy. But Job said, I don't praise him for what he gave me. I praise him for who he is. I praise him because he loved me. I praise him today on behalf of your pastor. I don't praise him of how he's blessed me. I praise him because of his son. And that his son came to this earth and showed us what true suffering was and is. And that he died for me on the cross and shed his blood. That when no matter what I have to face on this earth, it don't matter. As long as I know that when I, like Otis, leave this earth, I'll be with my Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know why you serve God. I don't know why you worship Him. But I can tell you this. What He wants to hear is your love that you have for Him. And that won't come just on Sunday. Because if you're not meeting with Him during the week, you're not bringing Him to this worship service. You're just bringing yourself. Because I tell you what, He already knows who you are He knows your name. He knows the hair numbered on your head. Some of you, that's a little bit easier than others. He knows all there is. But really, what he wants to know and what he wants to hear is your praise and your love and your adoration for him. Does that sound like a difficult God? Nah. When Job began to do that, double foe came back to him. Doubly blessed. A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. You better remember that.